Please be seated. Well, I've entitled the message, as I usually do, coming right from the text. He has risen. That's what we find out in verse 6. He has risen. All human beings, and I make no exception, all human beings, whoever have lived, who are living, or whoever will live, realize that death is a reality. You who are here today might not even want to think about it, especially if you're young. Probably appears way distant future. You who are getting a little older, it's not that far away from what we can tell. But all human beings realize that death is a reality. Most, and I say most, human beings hope that there is a resurrection. There are some that don't care. But most human beings past, present, and future, hope that there is a resurrection. may surprise you because of our quote-unquote Christian foundation and quote-unquote Christian professions of faith. However, statistically, many do not believe in a resurrection. Many in the past did not and many who are living today do not. However, it's interesting because, again, most are fascinated by the topic, as evidenced by the quote-unquote near-death experiences that have happened. And when an article comes out where people talk about death, and talk about an experience that they may have had related to an after-death experience, it becomes a bestseller or becomes of interest so that even those that don't use computers go to the computers to try to find out more about it or at least to someone who's critiqued it to get their opinion about it. In fact, right now, those of you that are with us on a regular basis know that in the evening, I'm preaching through the book of Revelation, and I will shortly be dealing with the subjects of heaven and hell in a little more detail. And one of the interesting articles that happened today and is now a book that is a book that, quote-unquote, Christians are going to get, has to do with a story about a little boy who apparently died and saw and sat on the lap of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that now has become a basis of everybody wanting to go out to find out if heaven's really real. So without question, it is something that fascinates people. Today, believe it or not, we are in the minority. We, meaning myself, you, and others who are professing Christians. And yet around the world, that minority today is joyously celebrating, as has already been said, the single, and in my opinion, without question, the most significant event that has ever taken place in the world since creation 
itself. And that is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of the Messiah. The resurrection of the Son of God. The resurrection of the one and only Savior of the world. Now for most... They're doing nothing religious today. You are the exception. We are living in the 21st century in which most today are doing nothing religiously. While around the world Christians celebrate, it's the minority. Most people right now are either in bed watching TV, out on the golf course, in store shopping, whatever it might be at family gatherings, but they're doing nothing religiously. That's a big change that has happened over the years. Some, maybe some here for all that I know, will appease family members and go to church on what is known as Easter Sunday or also at Christmas time and make appearances to some. We've got to do something religious because they know something happened that day. And so to appease family members will go. Some do it out of church or religious obligation in which they feel there's some duty to do something religiously at least a couple of times a year, so they may attend churches. There are many that do go out to churches that are hoping that the resurrection is true. They don't know whether it is, but they're hoping. And then there are others, and I assume the majority, at least in this room, who are absolutely, totally convicted totally convinced and rejoicing in the reality of the resurrection. Now, why is the resurrection important? Pastor Chris has already alluded to three quarters of my message from his beginning prayer all the way through this morning, and he didn't read my notes. But why is it important? Why is that important in the first place, Pastor Dan? Because if there is no resurrection, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for a moment. I want you to Scan it. I will not read it because of time this morning. We don't want all those hams to overcook. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can look at verses 13 and 19 while I am saying what I am saying. Because if there is no resurrection, we are wasting our time this morning. You should be on the golf course. You should be swimming. You should be in Florida. You should be someplace else rather than at a church service if there's no resurrection. According to those verses, verses 13 forward of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, if there's no resurrection from the dead, our faith is useless. Folks, there is no gospel if there's no resurrection. There is no good news to give. There's no good news to give outside of these doors. There's no good news to give to you if there is no resurrection. To put it in perspective so that you understand it, what you read in your newspaper, what you see on your TV sets, what you read on the Internet, what you know is true in your life, what you see at work, what you see in your neighborhood, what you see in your family is true. You are in sin still. And those things that we see come out, hatred, bitterness, bickering, 
fighting, cheating, bullying, these things that come out of the news today, sexual harassment, and on and on it goes. We are still in our sins if there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, Christians are liars. They're lying to you. If there's no resurrection, the grave is the end. Go by the cemetery, that's it. If there's no resurrection, that's the reality. And if there's no resurrection according to these verses, we, above everybody else in this world, is to be the most pitied people in the world. Because we're believing something that didn't happen. However, if it's true, if the resurrection of Christ is true, and if resurrection is true, listen, then Jesus Christ is alive now. If it's true, there is hope beyond the grave. If it's true, listen, no exceptions, all-inclusive, all human beings will come forth from the grave. Why? Because Jesus Christ, you can mark it down, in John chapter 5 said, Marvel not at this, for the day is coming in which all who are in the graves, every single one without exception, will come forth. Some to the resurrection of life and some to the resurrection of damnation. If it's true, then some have eternal life and some others are facing eternal damnation. And the reality is, folks, just starting off this morning, this event that we're celebrating is so crucial that you're on one side or the other. It is either true or it's not true. And if it's not true, I've just listed some of the things that are so. And if it is true, I've listed some of the things that are so. And something that no one in this room can escape is the third point, and that is this. It is so vital that your eternal destiny, every single one, even in the nursery, rests on the assessment of that evaluation. And I tell you this morning, historically, look at verse 20. I had you turn there for a reason. There was one verse I wanted you to see. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, folks. Now this morning, with this brief amount of time, and for those of you who know me, this is a tremendous challenge, but with the time that I have remaining, I want us to look at Luke chapter 24, and I want to look at three simple things this morning. Number one is, and you can see the outlines right there in your bulletin, for those of you that take notes. 
Listen, before there can be a resurrection, is it not true that there must be a physical existence and a death? You can't have a resurrection if there's nobody that was alive and nobody that died. There's nothing to be resurrected. Secondly, if there's been a resurrection, then there's got to be evidence of that resurrection. Isn't that true? So that we know it really happened. And if it happened, it is obviously very significant. And then the third yet simple point that we cannot escape. If number one and number two are true, that is somebody was here, somebody died, and somebody was resurrection, resurrected, then that's a challenge to everybody that's hearing this message. Because it has implications. And we can't escape it. Let's look at number one. A real person and a real death. I want to reread just for you Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. Then I'll comment on them as well. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bearing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. First of all, we look at the historicity of Jesus Christ. And some of the times I won't have the time to go to verses, but I'll refer to them. But the history of Jesus Christ, he was not a myth. Mickey Mouse was a cartoon character. Donald Duck and anybody else you want to stick in there, and I don't know who the current cartoon characters are today, but they'll change again for the next generation. That's not what we're dealing with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ really existed. And I encourage you, if you are a thinking person that is here today, don't take my word for granted. Because if Jesus Christ did exist 2,000 years ago, and he did, because of the time frame that he existed, we should be able to find, since the times of Christ were that Rome was in power, the Jews were the major religion of the day, and Christians were the ones that said this, and those were the three primary groups that existed at the time, we should be able to go back to historical documentation that indicates that Jesus Christ was alive. And I challenge you to do that. Because there is every single evidence in all three documents. Roman documents have recorded the existence of a man called Jesus Christ who was crucified. Josephus, one of the biggest historians to the Jewish faith, not the only one, but one of the biggest ones at that time, records that Jesus Christ not only existed, but was crucified. In fact, it's interesting, he records that he was resurrected. And he didn't believe it. He did not believe that. He didn't believe on Jesus Christ as Savior. And Christian documents are everywhere with it. Every single one of the historical documents, you'd go back. But even more so, think about this. We know as we go through Scripture, he was seen by men. You'll see more of that in a few moments. He was touched. He was handled. Women went up to him and grabbed his garments so they could be cured of diseases. Others touched him. They physically handled him like you get physically handled in this world. That's the evidence that you're real. See, I am alive. You can hear the echo. That's because there's nothing in there. But anyway... We're alive, we feel, we touch. He was touched. 
He talked to people, didn't he? Yes, we have documentation about the Sermon of the Mount. Last evening, we spent time as a family. We were together. We said, what do you, what do you think we want to watch? Let's sit down and watch a movie. We watched a classic, Ben-Hur. And in that movie, Ben-Hur, we saw reference to the Scriptures. Boy, you don't see too much of that coming out in public movies anymore. That's a side issue. But it dealt with the crucifixion. And then a resurrection and so forth. And we enjoyed that time together. What did we see? People talked with him. They saw him. We have the Sermon on the Mount. He ate with them. In Luke chapter 22, that's close by. Let's go to that one. Let's just look at Luke chapter 22. Look at verse 14. We know this is the Lord's Supper. Here he is with his disciples. He inclined to the table with his apostles, verse 14. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired, watch, to eat this Passover with you. Someone who is a myth does not eat. He ate. Verse 17, and when he had taken the cup, he gave thanks. You don't drink if you're not alive. But if you're alive, you drink. He ate. He drank. He grew. He was a baby. He grew in strength. He grew as a boy. He was known by people. Listen, he had a following. The apostles, the disciples, the history that we have today. The evidence is overwhelming. If we move forward 2,000 years right now, how would anybody know you were here? Oh, people 2,000 years from now might turn around and say, Dan Trepania, he was a myth. He wasn't here. But if they went back to historical documents, they could say, well, I found a birth certificate. They could say he was recorded as being in Methuen. They have records of that. People said they talked to him. They had his tapes on ministry. We can find some tapes and discs. What were those in 2,000 years? So now they'll be saying, what was that? How do we get to listen to it? I don't know. But, but we got them, all right? We have all this information, right? It's the same thing I'm telling you. You go back and you find it out. Listen to this. Even those who hated Jesus Christ could not de 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 uh, deny his existence. Did not... Those who hated him say, is not his father Joseph and his mother Mary? And don't we know his, listen, his brothers and his sisters? Those are people that didn't like him. There's no denying it, folks. He existed. Even the men from Emmaus were in chapter 24. Just look at verses 19 for a second. Verse 19 of chapter 24. And he said to them, what things? What's going on? And by the way, it's Jesus is talking to them. And they said to him, here's the existence. The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word, in the sight of God and all the people. These are people that were just talking about the fact that Jesus Christ existed. And how, watch this, the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be sentenced to death. You can't be sentenced to death if you're not alive. So the evidence goes on and on and on. And we could spend all morning. What about his death? He did exist. And if you're denying that today, you are a fool. And you're not a thinker. You say, Pastor Dan, that's terrible. No, it's true. Because you have more evidence today, and you can go to a computer and instantaneously in seconds get historical documentation on the existence of Jesus Christ. What about his death? Well... According to chapter 23 of Luke, you're in Luke, so go to chapter 23 for a second. Look at verse 33. Did he really die? 
And by the way, there are those in theological circles that are debating this. It was just a spiritual death. He didn't die a physical death. Really? Verse 33, chapter 23. When they came to the place called the skull, there they did what? They crucified him. There's historical documentation on that. He wasn't the only man that was ever crucified. But they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. He was crucified. Go down to verse 44. Now it was about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscure, and the veil in the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is the last thing he said. I had that Friday night. Having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had happened, this is a centurion. He began praising God, saying, certainly this man, watch, was innocent. He witnessed the crucifixion. He saw it. It was obvious. And his acquaintances and all of them were standing in a distance. Verse 49, they witnessed the crucifixion. And in case that doesn't convince you, go to Mark chapter 15 for a second. Go to Mark. Mark chapter 15, do this quick. I want you to see this. Very significant regarding his death. Verse 42. Watch this. Mark 15, 42. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, and most of the council hated Jesus, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Now watch this gathered up courage, and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That means he was physically here, and he was dead. Now watch this, verse 44, I love it. Pilate, who was the one who sentenced him, wondered if he was what? Dead by this time. And summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. Verse 45, and ascertaining this from the centurion. Pilate, who had sentenced him, was assured that he was dead physically. I could go on. He was buried in a tomb. When we go to Luke chapter 24, which is where we are, they went to a tomb that they knew there was a body of a dead person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth there. There's no mistaking it. According to Matthew 27, I won't turn there, a secure guard was placed over it so that nobody could get at the body. Why do I point that out? Because the Jews wanted that guard there because they knew he was dead and they didn't want him coming out. And they hated Jesus. <coughs> Woman came with the spices. <coughs> Pardon me. I need to move on. A couple of things I want to point out already. Number one, Jesus Christ did live. Evidence is overwhelming. Number two, he died a physical death. He came and he took on manhood, and he died a physical death. And I want to say this. If we stopped right here and went home, and that's all you've got, you don't have salvation. There's no salvation if it stops there. All men die. Men know that. 
That's nothing new. If he came and he died and it ended there, we go home and we wait for the grave. Go have a good time. Many have lived. Many have died. Listen. <coughs> many so-called gods, as you go back and trace that, some of who were men by man's standards, they called them gods, they died. Many religious leaders by which organizations and religious denominations, if I can use that term loosely and you'll allow that, have had people lead them, such as Mr. Smith, the Mormons, such as Mary Baker Eddy, such as Buddha, such as Muhammad, all leaders of different religions, and they're all still in the grave. So if he stays in the grave, we've got nothing. But if he's still dead, well, is he still dead? No. Is this just something we want to believe? Well, I think we've shown you enough evidence this morning. We can show you a lot more. He really was here. He really did die. Even those that hated him knew he died. But what about his resurrection? If he did really resurrect Pastor Dan, there's got to be some evidence. First of all, notice in our text, verses 4 to 8, you scan them. I won't reread them. They were perplexed. Why? They looked in the tomb, and the body of Jesus Christ was gone. It wasn't there. Now, that doesn't prove anything. His body could have been stolen, right? My friend, if you're a thinking person again, and you go back to the times in which a Roman soldier was put on guard, and his life was on the line, and they sealed the tomb so that even if the rock moved or the stone was rolled away, it would crack and there would be evidence that someone got in there. Their life was on the line. This was no joke to them. No one went in and stole the body without being killed. And they didn't have night vision on their glasses to take care of them. The soldiers knew. I want you to know something else. The religious leaders knew <coughs> that the body had not been stolen <coughs> because they had to pay off the soldiers. And they said, we will go and protect your life before the authorities. You just say the body got stolen because it was gone. And they knew it. Well, the declaration in our passage says, He's not here. He's risen. It's been a resurrection that's taken place. He's gone because he didn't get stolen. He rose like he said he would. And I could spend the time, if we had it, to even go in when Peter goes there. Just the way the garments were laid aside, and, and you can see the evidence of the resurrection and so forth. And there wasn't anybody that pushed and did anything. This was a miraculous work of God. The body wasn't stolen. How do we know that he physically was alive? Stay with me quickly. Mary Magdalene saw him. Go with me to John chapter 20. Keep your finger in Luke and go to John. John chapter 20. Just a couple of quick verses. I want you to see this. John chapter 20. Verses 14 to 17. If he rose, shouldn't people know it? 
The answer is yes. John chapter 20, verse 14. When she had said this, Mary Magdalene, standing there and did not know that it was who? Jesus. Jesus said to her, whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener. Who did she find out he was? Go down to verse 16. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which is translated teacher. And Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me. You don't cling to a ghost. Mary saw him. Go down to verse 19. So in the evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, He came and 11 of them saw him. I'll stop right here for a second. If we had that much evidence today of anybody, it would be all over the Internet. You've already got 12 people, 11 together and a woman who was independent that saw it. Not only is that the case, but go on to verse 26 of the same passage. Because John wasn't, um, Thomas wasn't there, and he says, I won't believe it unless I touch him and I see the nail marks. I want the evidence. Verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas this time is with them. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst, said, Peace be to you. He said to Thomas, watch this, reach here in my finger, with your finger, and see my hands. Reach here. Put your hand where? Into my side. And don't be unbelieving, but believing. And what happened with Thomas? He began to see who it was, and he said, My Lord and my God, verse 28. He saw the resurrected Savior. In John chapter 21, yeah, I won't read it all, but you look there, and what you've got there is he appears again to seven disciples. Seven different people. Some of them went fishing, went back to the industry. They saw him. Other disciples saw him. The men and women in Luke chapter 24, the, the men, excuse me, on the Emmaus Road, they talked to Jesus after the resurrection. They saw him. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. One more passage on this. <coughs> First Corinthians 15. I want you to see this. Verse 3. Paul, the apostle, who later on wanted to persecute Christians, said this. For I deliver to you, as of the first importance, what I also received. What is it? That Christ died. Why did he do that? For our sins, according to the scripture. Jesus Christ's death on the cross of Calvary was not like any other death that has ever happened in the face of mankind. It was different from your death and my death. His death was to satisfy a righteous, holy God. We cannot save ourselves. Coming to church today, going to church twice a year, appeasing somebody, reading your Bible doing good things and good deeds, and there are good things and good deeds we can do, will never get you into heaven. Why? Because we are all sinners. 
All of us. Now the world's not going to tell you that. But the world doesn't know the Savior. We are all sinners and we've come short of the glory of God. We can't measure up. And we can never pay for all of our sins. That's why God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was because Jesus came into the world. Paul says this. He came into the world, and why did he come? To die for our sins, to pay the penalty and the cost, because we can't do it. Our good works would never do it. Did he stop there? No, verse 4. He was buried, that's a physical death, and he was raised, when? On the third day. How? According to the Scriptures, right according to prophecy. Now watch this. And he appeared to Cyphus. Then he, uh, Cephas, then he appeared to the twelve. After that, he appeared to, watch this one, verse 6. More than how many people? Five hundred brethren at one time. And don't stop there. The next expression is vital. Most of whom remain until now. But some of them have fallen asleep. Some of them have died. Most of whom remain. What does that mean? If I said to you today that a resurrection happened, and I said it was witnessed by 500 people, and that went on the Internet, and you were one of the 500 people I was referring to, and you were still alive, and it didn't happen, what would you do? I'm sure you would call or get on the Internet and say, he's a liar. I didn't see it. These people didn't deny it. They were alive when it was written and recorded. They had seen him 500 at one time. Then he goes on, he talks about James, and then he says, and he appeared unto me also. That's the Apostle Paul, the one that hated Christians. The evidence, my friend, is overwhelming. In a court of law today, if we had all of this evidence, the jury would be able to come to a decision in a matter of minutes. We've had 500 people. We've had another 11 Another seven. We had one that had nothing to do. In fact, we have one that, that wanted to d dispose of Christianity, and now he saw him after the death. The evidence is overwhelming. Yes, it goes back in time, but the evidence is there. Not only that, in our responsive reading this morning, we saw in Acts chapter 1, I won't go back there, but in Acts chapter 1 it said this. It said that we've seen him, we touched him, he talked to us, and there were many infallible proofs. In fact, it says for 40 days after he was risen from the grave, he spent time on the earth, and they touched him, ate with him, had conversations with him, and they saw him leave because he's coming back. And he can't come back, my friend, unless he's been resurrected. And he has been. He has been. Now, you can do a number of things with what you've heard this morning. I believe the evidence is overwhelming. As I said, and you look it up, Josephus, who never trusted in Christ, to my knowledge, who was a historian at the time of Rome, at the time of Christ, wrote these words, 
he said that Jesus, who was called the Christ, resurrected on the third day. That's recorded in his writings. Look at the evidence. But we come to the third most significant point as we close today. What are the implications? This is a challenge, folks. And in verses 9 through 12, go back to Luke 24. There's only one other passage I'm going to turn to. Put your finger in 1 Corinthians 15 and go to Luke 24 and we'll wrap it up. In Luke chapter 24, when she heard that Jesus Christ was resurrected, or the women heard, they went and they went away from the tomb. Watch this. Pick it up in verse 9. They returned from the tomb. They reported all these things, just like I'm reporting to you. They reported to the 11 and all the rest. Now, they were Mary Magdalene, Joanna. It gives you who they were. And they were telling these things to the apostles. But even the apostles, watch this. Verse 11. But their words appeared to them as what? Nonsense. This is nonsense. Go back to the beginning of my message. Some want to believe the resurrection. Others could care less about a resurrection. Others just think it's fantasy. And they were looking at this. They said, it's nonsense. They didn't believe them until they found out for themselves. When you look at the fact that Jesus Christ was here, Jesus Christ has died, and the overwhelming evidence of his resurrection, you are left with some different conclusions today, folks. Number one, you can sit there and say, this is ridiculous, just like they did at first. Or you can check it out for yourself. Or you can choose to ignore it. I can't wait to get to my ham dinner. Let's get on. I want to go with my busy schedule this afternoon. I did my religious service and just go on and ignore it. You can do that. Not only that, let me give you a third one. You can choose to believe that, okay, maybe it did historically happen, but so what? It had no effect on me. I can believe it's happened and still not be a believer in Christ. You can do that. You can believe that it happened historically, number four, and simply hope that maybe Pastor Dan's got some truth there. Maybe there is a resurrection coming. I, I certainly hope so. Better than this world. Hoping that maybe if I'm good enough, I can still get to heaven. You can do that. And in every one of those cases, if you go out of here that way, I guarantee you a couple of things. One is you will physically die. Your day is coming. Two, you will appear before God. I guarantee it. Three, if you go out of here in that condition and you die without trusting by faith in Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. I say that on the authority of the word of God. The other reaction you can have here this morning is that you can believe it happened and believe the message of the one that did it. And his message was simple. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me will have eternal life. I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, shall be saved. He that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ shall have eternal life. And you will be called out of the grave to life eternal. I conclude by going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. It's a glorious event. Our gospel is that Jesus Christ came into the world, died for our sins, was buried, rose from the dead the third day. The issue today is not how good you are. It's not doing something religious. That which we celebrate is because life is now possible. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it also says later on that Christ has been risen from the dead, verse 20. Verse 21, take a look at it. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Christ was the first fruits, verse 23. Those that are his, it is coming. It's coming back. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, and you're going to go out of here, you're either going to trust him or you're not. There are no other alternatives. But if you go out of here today and you've truly trusted in Christ, oh, you ought to be celebrating this resurrection. But often, Christians just go their way and it's almost as if the resurrection has no effect. I will tell you this. In the book of Acts, it's amazing because the resurrection had such an impact that you will find that their lives were affected and the message that they gave is, I serve a risen Savior. Christ has raised, been raised from the dead. We will be raised and here's the good news, he died for sin. And we will face trials and tribulations in this world, but I close with verse 58 for believers. Look at this. I'm sorry, I want to go to verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. Watch verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, how? through our Lord Jesus Christ, and here's the conclusion that I end, up, end with today. Therefore, my beloved brethren, you who have trusted in Christ, this day should affect your life. How? Look at verse 38, 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always, 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 always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Participle, knowing that your toil not in vain in the Lord. We get discouraged. Things get tough. Keep plugging along. The resurrection is so significant, it should affect our lives. And though we go weary, don't go weary in well-doing. Continue on to continue on. Let God have the victory in your life. If you haven't come to Christ, see this more as just a religious celebration that was the Savior of the world that came out of the grave. And today he lives. And one day all that are in the graves will be called forth. Some to the resurrection of life, but some to damnation. Don't let that be you. What you do with what you've heard today, you cannot be indifferent. If you are indifferent, you've answered it. You're on the side of damnation. Don't let that be the case.
Let's close in prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for this glorious day. We thank you that Jesus Christ did come. We thank you that he did die, a death that we cannot fathom, even as we talked about it on Friday night. But Father, we thank you and praise you that it didn't end in the grave, that he rose victoriously, that we serve a risen Savior. And I have no doubt in my mind that there are some that are here this morning who have been even coming to this church for quite a long time and are doing religious activities, but yet have not placed their faith in the finished and complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ who was resurrected. Help them to see the seriousness of that decision and help them to come to faith in Christ. Not to just be indifferent. Not to just hope, but to have faith in the personal work of Christ. For those of us who have trusted in him, we rejoice in this day. And Father, let us rejoice knowing that we are not laboring in vain, but let us go forth as soldiers of the Lord with boldness as we look forward to the day of Christ's return in which we will be resurrected and be with our Savior for all eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.